part of those 45 years is it's just been one woman. It's just been one incredible Church of God Christ raised woman. My brother-in-law was a pastor of Church of God in Christ. I used to always tell him the best thing come out of the Church of God in Christ was your sister. I can't speak for the rest of y'all, but your sister, she saved. And, uh, I jokingly say that before I married her, I couldn't, I couldn't spell holiness. I was raised in a, another group. You go outside after church, and it looked like a barbecue, but wasn't no meat anywhere. So I married this incredible lady. I, I didn't say nothing, brother. I just said, you know, I ain't dropping no dime on nobody. Thirteen grandkids simply means that I'm always broke. So if any of y'all want to slide and put something in my pocket as I'm leaving, you know. Listen, I, uh, I was looking at my 13th grandchild today, and I said, you know, 13 is a good number. I've either driven or walked all my grandkids to school numerous times. I got a boatload of stories, but they have enriched my life. They have enriched my life. A lot of pastors get to a certain place and they mess up and what have you. There's no way in the world I'd break those eight girls' hearts and my five grandsons. There ain't there enough devil in hell to make me, let me break their hearts. Wow. Not perfect, but I love Jesus. He's been good to me. Come on, man. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I mean, no, no. I'm really found. I was blind, but now I see. And I, I see a lot of things. Thank you, Pastor. I see a lot of things that I didn't see as a teenager. I love life. But I told my little, uh, I think she's 12. No, she's 10. And I looked at her. She's, and sometimes when I walk her to the school, she's the only one left in the community. And I'll be holding a little hand. And I said, and, and I used to do her mother like this. And my sons. And I'd say, ladies and gentlemen, we have with us in this auditorium tonight, Miss Bellamy Love Johnson. Now, she has degrees. In, and she's just... <clears throat> And I just go on and on, and I'll say, now I want you to stand to your feet, clap your hands, slap your neighbor if they don't stand up. And you just, and she just, and she'll smile or when they come over and they're leaving. I'll be at the door, hug them and kiss them. I said, okay, I'll see you later, Mr. Mr. So-and-so. See you later, Dr. So-and-so. See you later. I'm doing for them what my father did for me. My father told me I was going to be a great man when I was in a place that great men don't come out of. Here's the funny part. I asked him one day after the Lord touched my life, why did he, why, where did he get that kind of faith from? Why was he speaking those kinds of things in my life? And he laughed. He said, you don't know? I said, Dad, I really don't know. <laughs> he said, boy, at the rate you were going, I had nothing to lose. <laughs> neither, and neither do you. That person you want to give up on, you don't know what God's going to do in their life. You, you have no idea. None. How many people... Uh, you know, they were uh, looking down at me, and because of positions and the goodness of God, they now had to look up. Yeah. It's just the grace of God. Yeah. You know, uh, how God does things, it just ain't fair. Come on. I have a bachelor's, a master's, a doctorate degree, and uh, 
I'm just humbled by his grace. You have no idea how humbled I am by God's grace. I'm here because of your pastor and his wife. They're, they are good soil. Yes. Yes. Superintendent, Pastor Brett Allen, Secretary Treasurer, Dr. J. We, we believe in this couple. And um, I don't go to a lot of churches and say these kinds of things. You can't buy me to say nothing good about you. You know, some folk are just... Some folks are just preachers and they're just pastors, but their lives are as ragged as a can of sauerkraut. If I lived in the area, I'd come to this church. I'm going to tell you why. His mama come to this church. She knew everything about him. His wife, sister, come to this church. They've learned a few things about him. His father-in-law come to this church. You know, you all, I go to a church where the relatives show up because what they're saying is, we believe in him too. Yes. A lot of people go to churches, they know the pastors. It ain't good, but they just go for whatever. But this is a place, I've told them before, this is going to be a regional. This is, this is not just a community church. It's going to be a regional church. People are going to come here, seminars. And people are going to come from all over the nation because they're anointing upon his life. And... Uh, I'm just glad to be here at the, at the beginning. The Bible says, don't trip, don't trip on small things. Don't trip. So I got a few things I'm going to say to the men. I think it'll apply to all of us. And again, thank you for the privilege of allowing me to, to be here. And it does honor me so much that your mother, beautiful mom, is sitting on the front row. Look like she's going to go do a model shoot. I mean, she uh, I want to read you a story. Scripture from Isaiah. I, I don't necessarily do a lot of preaching, but I do like to tell stories. My father's one of the best storytellers that I know. He's been gone now uh, 11 years. I don't think I've preached a sermon without talking about my father. He's the best friend I ever had on this planet. Well, what about your wife? My dad was the best friend I had on this planet. Anybody that says, well, I, my wife's my best friend. I tell her everything. I'm going to look you right in the face and say, you lying. <laughs> you flat out lying. You do not tell your wife everything. You know it, and I know it, and God knows. And you might go to hell if you hold on to that lie. <laughs> but she loves me. And I miss my dad. I miss him every day. But Isaiah 38 beginning with verse 1, says the following. In those days, so the question is, what days? What days are we talking about? Hezekiah, he became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion. I have done what is good in your eyes. And Isaiah, Hezekiah, the Bible says he wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. And if you go to one of the other Old Testament books, same story is recorded. And it says, as Isaiah was walking out, the Lord spoke to him and he turned back around. And he went back and he says, the Bible says, the Lord said, you go tell Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. See, listen, listen, the God of who? The God of who? My grandkids are going to be able to say, 
the God of your father, your grandfather. You understand? I, I finally figured this out. This ain't about me. It's, it's not about me. My children have been blessed. You wouldn't believe how they've been blessed. And I used to remind them, and when your children get a little older, Sasonia, listen, this is what you tell them. When they get blessed, you said, I'm going to tell you why you're getting blessed. I used to tell them in front of the whole church. You're getting blessed because of the life that me and your mama live. And they would look at me and say, because trust me, you don't know him that well. You don't know him. But if your mom and I, I was living crazy, ragged lives, number one, I wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be blessed the way that you are. I am being blessed today because of my grandfather, the life that he lived. I used to tell my daddy, I'm getting paid for the family gift. He said, what's the gift? Communication. And I get paid for communicating. And I would go by his house and I'd leave him some money sometime. And I said, now, daddy, this, this here money, this is the flowers I was going to buy at your funeral. And my daddy would look at me and say, boy, let me tell you something. Green, that's my favorite color. You just keep on leaving it. Just keep on leaving it. He says, you tell the, the Lord, the God of his father, David, says, will, they say, will, your, will your family be able to say that about you? The God of your grandfather or your This is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, said. I've heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. I'm going to add 15 years of your life and I'm going to deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of, of, of Assyria. I will defend this city. And all he did was cry and cry out to God and reminded God what kind of a man he was as if God didn't know. In those days, what days? Bible says that Israel was surrounded, the, the, the word is besieged, but they were surrounded by an opposing army, kind of like the Ukraine is today. Nobody would get in, nobody could get out. The field commander of this army, he, he predicts imminent destruction. I was reading this again thinking, my goodness, history, can, it, can, it can really just repeat itself. He tries to undermine the people's confidence. He, he tells them their God cannot deliver them. He tries to get the people to make a deal with him. Here's what he says. Do not listen to the king. Don't listen to King Hezekiah. He says, you make peace with me and, and come out to me. In other words, he's telling them, you just need to surrender. You can't win this battle. He promises, he says, every one of you will eat. I'm going to let you eat from your own vines and, and fig trees, and you're going to drink water from your, from your own cisterns until, until, he says, I come and take you to a land like your own, not your own. In other words, you're not going to stay here. You just surrender, trust me, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you someplace else. It's going to be good. It's going it's to it's kind of be like this. When I read that, it's like somebody will say, you know, you, you, young ladies, y'all be talking sometime and, someone, and one of you young ladies will say, that's a good, uh, what do you think about that guy? And one of you will say, well, he, you know, he's not that ugly. <laughs> Let me tell you what you just said. He ugly. You just haven't figured out what degree of ugly he is, whether he's on this end or ugly. And he tells them, if you come with me, I'm going to give you a land like your own. In other words, he promised them, you're going to be in bondage. And then the Bible says, Hezekiah prays in chapter 37, 15 through, uh, verse 15 through 20. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, and throne between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms on earth, of, earth, of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. 
Give ear, Lord, and hear, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib the king has sent to ridicule the living God. He didn't say, he, he's not ridiculing me, he's ridiculing you. We your people, we belong to you. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian king have laid waste all these other people that they keep talking about, these other lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they are not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. Isaiah the prophet, he speaks, he's predicting doom to the opposing army. God sends an angel, the Bible says, who destroys 185,000 of Sennacherib's troops. They wake up the next morning and dead folk everywhere. I'm telling you, you don't want to mess with God's people. My wife used to tell the folk at our church, she said, now my husband's not perfect. I'll tell you that right now, but I'm going to tell you something. Don't mess with him. Don't mess with him. The Bible says, touch not mine anointed and do my prophet no harm. I can tell you stories about folk. All they had to do was... And this man was talking about God. 185 of his troops are destroyed. He goes back home. And he's in his temple worshiping his God. And two of his sons come in and kill their daddy. Those were the days we're talking about. And in those days, we get to chapter 38 and beginning with verse 1. I just read that to you earlier. In those days, King Hezekiah, he became ill. He was at the point of death. Now, hang in there with me. The prophet Isaiah tells him he will not recover. Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and he prays. He reminds God how he walked faithfully before him. And with a wholehearted devotion, he says, God, I did good before your eyes. And then the Bible says he weeps bitterly. And the Bible said God changes his mind. The mind of God apparently can be changed. God changes his mind based upon the spiritual brokenness of one man. One man. I'm saved today because of my father's tears. Not my mother's tears, but my father's prayers. God added 15 years to his life and he promises, I'm going to deliver you from this, from your enemies because this city is my city because you are my man. I'm taking care of you. I tell my children, my grandchildren, I'm the patriarch of this family. When they were young, I said, and by the way, we are a gang. When you get big folks, want to, you know, we don't join no gang. We're already a gang. This is the Huddleston gang. And I'm the baddest guy in the gang. And I'm going to train y'all to be warriors. I'm going to train you to be warriors. And we're going to grow together and we're going to love each other. And people say, well, how are, your, how are your children and grandchildren doing? This is what they're saying. Anybody on the level of leadership that you are, your children and grandchildren surely ought to be walking on angels' wings. And I tell them all the same thing. They're on the path. What path? The same path you are. Path of life. Not because of their age, they're on a different part of the path, but they're on the path. They never ask me the second question, because if they ask me another question, here's the answer. None of your business. Those are my grandchildren and my kids. And I still am the captain of this ship. 
Hezekiah gets a life-changing visit. Listen to these words. It's not going to be no long, drawn-out story. Listen to these words, men. At that time, Marduk, Baladan, the son of Baladan, the king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah a letter and gifts because he had heard of his illness and recovery. Hezekiah received the envoy, which was a group of people that were sent there, this group that we're talking about, an envoy. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly and showed them what was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine olive oil, his entire armory and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and he asked, what, uh, what did those men say and where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied. They came to me from Babylon. The prophet asked, what did they see in your palace? Oh, so everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There's nothing among my treasures. My treasures. My treasures. That I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord, God Almighty. The time will surely come when everyone in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored, he's talking about present and he's talking about the past, have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord, and some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be, now he's talking about the future, be born, will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs, in the palace of the king of Babylon. And Hezekiah says, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought there would be peace and security in my lifetime. He's visited by these men, this envoy from an ungodly place, Babylon. The Bible says he welcomes them with open arms he shows them everything in his storehouse, and then they leave. He doesn't say, I know you heard about my healing. I know you heard how God raised me up, and you may have even heard, I got a whole lot more time added on. Let me show you the house of God where I worship him. In fact, sit down for a second. I need to tell you about my God. It doesn't say that. He shows them his stuff. He shows them things. In fact, he's trying to make some sort of an alliance with them in case they turn on him. He's already built some sort of an alliance. He's trying to build a relationship with the devil. The same prophet who said, God is going to save this city. God is going to raise you up. God is going to give you 15 more years. He comes back another time. Ask these questions. What did those men say? Where did they come from? And what did they see? And then the prophet pronounces doom on Hezekiah. Why? Because he was prideful and disrespectful of God's blessings. Now watch this. The prediction, he says, there will come a time when. So it hasn't come yet. Now, now, now you, <laughs> you got to listen to this. It hasn't happened. When my daughter and my sons were small, I did for them what my daddy used to do with us. Our parents were divorced when I was eight years old. Daddy kept six kids, 
four boys and two girls, to raise. And my mother's mother said to my daddy, I will stay here with you with these kids and help you to raise them so either you get married again or these kids grow up. And my father used to come to our room at night and I would hear him kneeling at the foot of our bed. I'm just a kid. And he would be at the foot of our bed kneeling, crying out to God on my behalf. I grew up hearing my daddy call out my name to a God I knew nothing about. But let me tell you what I did know. When we would get sick because we were so poor and didn't have insurance, my daddy would pray and we'd wake up the next day healed. So I, if I didn't know anything else, I knew that the God my daddy say, served was a healer. Now. now that I knew. It wasn't until after he died that I was talking to my older brother. And one day he said, I said, man, you know, I remember when daddy used to, he said, oh yeah, I remember daddy used to pray for us. I said, you remember? He said, yeah. He would pray for us. And then he would go to the next room where my sisters and my grandmother was at. And he would pray for them outside the door. That I never knew. But see, he, he knew we were going to grow up. I think, and then he made us get up every night, kneel down beside our bed on that cold linoleum floor and pray for our mother. He made us pray for this woman that wasn't there, and I didn't know all the facts, but I just, I would hear him crying on Sundays when we would gather around the living room to pray, and we, he would say, now we're going to pray for your mom, God watch over mom and where she's at, da, da, da. and daddy would just weep. And what it did in my heart, it made me bitter. She, because my daddy was crying. And I assumed, it, it, this lady here, Tell you the power of prayer. Years go by. I done lived a crazy life. I get saved. I've gone to college. I got degrees coming out of my ears. But, and I'm married, but it ain't going right. And my wife says, you need, you, you need to go see a counselor. I said, I ain't going to see no counselor. Because if I go see a counselor and somebody see me, they're going to think I'm what? Oh, yeah, I see some of the rest of y'all was raised in the same neighborhood. But I woke up one morning. We got cheerings now. And she says, I ain't gonna let my, I don't want my kids raised up around your anger. What do you mean anger? You know, <laughs> what, what's, and I wake up one morning and my wife was gone with my kids. And I told my friend, well, why didn't she tell me she wanted me to change? She said, she did. She told you what language you could understand, <laughs> an empty bedroom. <laughs> and I went to where she was at and it was hundreds of miles away and I pulled a James Brown and started singing, please, 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 baby, still, please don't go. Don't go. If you go home, I don't care what people think. And I went to see a counselor. But I wouldn't go to his office because you know people saw me. I said, I'll meet you in the park outside your office. And I was so concerned about what people would think about me. It never dawned on me what they thought when they drove by the park. And so a white guy and a black guy in the swing talking to one another. That didn't matter. I just didn't want nobody thinking I was crazy. And God began to show me some things. And after three visits, I said, I'm not coming back. He said, why? I said, we're not talking about what I want to talk about. He said, what's wrong? Well, what do you want to talk about? I said, why am I so angry? He said, well, let's explore that. We started going inside his office. And after a while, he said, you know, you might want to have a conversation with your mother. I said, about what? She only lived a couple hours away. And I had seen her. You know, we talk. And, you know, my mom, you know. He said, yeah, just you probably, I don't know. 
Early on when I was going through these issues, mama issues, the doctor said I had an ulcer. I said, I ain't got no ulcer. I'm a Christian. He said, okay, here's a prescription. <laughs> Literally. He says, okay, here's a prescription. When your stomach starts hurting, whatever that is, you say it's not there, but I will just call it an ulcer. If you go get this prescription filled, you can drink some of this stuff, and I bet you it'll go away. But it ain't an ulcer. Now, remember, you're a Christian. <laughs> I went to my mama's house, and I knocked on the screen door. Told her I was coming. When I got to the door, she opened the door. I'm standing in front of her, and I said, Mama, yes, baby. Mama, yes, baby. Mama, yes, baby. And I start crying, and I say these words. I want to ask you to forgive me. And now I'm saying, what the heck? She should be on her knees begging. I mean, all this is going in my head. And I'm saying, I need to ask you. I, I, I made your grandmother way too early in life. I should have been a better son. And I'm telling her all this stuff. Pretty soon the screen door cracks open. She comes out and she hugs me. And when she hugged me, I went like this. Because I wouldn't, me and my dad, my dad could hug me. We, we could just hug each other and hold each other and kiss each other on the cheek. And I was just as comfortable. But when she, but watch this. When I got ready to knock on the door, it dawned on me. Well, my daddy had us praying for this lady every night of our lives. Because he knew one day, he knew one day, he knew one day we was going to have to deal with that pain. He knew, and he wasn't going to add to the pain. And every one of my siblings, since daddy's been gone, have had this conversation. He never said nothing bad about our mom. When we asked him, see, he knew this. They probably would never be married again, but she'd always be our mama. And he never, my daddy never. I was married with children. And I said, Daddy, what happened between you and Mama? He said, what did your mama say? I told him. And he said, well, that must be what happened. She was there. I said, no, 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 no. Daddy, I'm grown now. I got kids. I just want to know. And he looked at me with that look. He said, well, what did she say? And I'm thinking, well, he must be getting old now. I got to be, you know, so I'll, I'll tell him a second time. And I did. And he repeated what he said the first time. Now, the next time when I said it, he just went like this. Now, I don't know about your culture. I don't know about your family. But I saw my grandfather do this, and I saw my cousins kept talking, and then I saw them looking up, hey, hey, hey. So when my daddy went like this, instinctively, I just kind of went like this, you know, <laughs> just in case. And he said, you're not going to get me to say anything bad about your mama. Prayer. God hears our prayers. Men, God will hear your prayers. Might have to cut off. TV for a minute, might not be able to watch that game, and um, I have found out they have got this machine that is connected up to my TV. I can record anything I want. It's, it's, a, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Daddy prayed for us. He made us pray, and one day all them prayers came to my rescue. Yeah, this afternoon before I came here, I was on the phone with my mom. I'm, I'm the executive. I am the executive of her will. I said, why am I? She said, because you're going, I know you'll do exactly as I want. She knows I love her. See, I've worked through them at stuff. Yeah. I, I'm going to leave it. I wouldn't go, let me tell you one last thing about my father. When daddy was dying, I went to the hospital to see him, and he, and he said these words to me. Now, listen to me, men, please. I know there's some folks who have been through a divorce, and you're saying, you don't know what I've been through. Right, and you don't know what my daddy went through. And <laughs> you're not, it's, it's amazing if you just keep breathing how many things you can learn. 
you don't know what my daddy went through, and you sure don't know what my mama went through. So daddy says, as he's lying in the hospital, you know what I want, don't you? No, daddy, I don't know. You do know what I want. No, daddy, I don't know. He says, I want your mama to forgive me. Now, I was good and saved. Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking. I almost cussed. <laughs> what the? <gasps> forgive you or what? Of what? I didn't say it. And I just looked at him. I just stood there looking at him. You lost your ever loving mind. I didn't say it. Even from the bed, he could reach up and slap me down. <laughs> he said, you know. I said, no, I don't. I said, hey, okay, Daddy. And I left. Called my mother when I got home. I said, Mom and Daddy wants to talk to you. I want you to do me a favor. Go see him tomorrow. Somebody's there. Wait till they leave. He wants to, oh, is he dying? Is he dying? He wants to talk to you. Two things. I don't know what he wants, and I never want to know. Okay. I said, now, when you come, when you leave, call me. You said, me know you. She called me. She said, we good. Don't know what to, but here's a man. All his life, he prayed for this lady. I don't think he ever quit loving my mother. And they both got remarried. Made his children pray for their mother. And if we try to say something bad about her, he said, that's your mother, boy. Okay. Well, she ain't like your mama. That's still your mama. taught us to pray. He taught me the power of prayer, my daddy, because I'm standing before you now because of the prayers that that man prayed for me, and I have a relationship with my mother because of the prayers my daddy made me pray for her. No prayer is in vain. And the prophet tells Isaiah, this is what's going to happen in your family. This is what's going to happen in your family. Now, if you go read in 2 Timothy, you're going to find out what's going to be happening the closer we get to the return of Jesus. And there's a whole lot of men, they know what the scripture says and what have you, but they're not praying for their family. He says some of your unborn descendants are going to be taken away, and they will become eunuchs. You know what a eunuch is? I'm going to say this really nice, really, really nice. They can't have no babies. No, let me back up. They can't make no babies because a certain part of their anatomy, anatomy has been delivered from them. So this is what the prophet says. You know that stuff that represents your past? It's going to be taken from you. What you have right now, and you it's going to be taken from you. And your future, it, it, it don't even exist. It will not happen. And in verse 8, I think it's the saddest verse in the entire 66 books of the Bible. Hezekiah's response is, the word you have spoken is good. Why is it good, Hezekiah? There'll be, at least there'll be peace and security in my lifetime. I'm going to land this plane. That's a key for the worship team to come back up here. When it was about him, listen to me, men, when it was about Hezekiah and his authority and his power and all the stuff that he had, he turns his face to the wall. He's pleading with God. But when it came to his family, the only thing he could say, the word you spoke spoken is good, that at least there'll be peace and security in my lifetime. No tears, no pleading for his family, just the word you've spoken is good. I'm good. I ain't worried about nothing else. Y'all on your own. 
So when my kids start growing up, I'm looking at this. My daughter who ended up becoming a cheerleader. I got, I got sons. He, he's got holes in his cheeks. I got another one. When he smiles, he lights up a room. And, I, and you listen, the devil doesn't change his tactics. Now, listen, let me tell you why. Because most of us have never told our children the family sin. I keep telling them, I'm saved. Now all they know is I've been saved. They don't even know about all this. I'm not telling you to open up a can of worms, but I am, I am saying at least have the unmitigating gall to be honest with them and say, Mama ain't always been like this. Daddy ain't always been like this. And let me tell you about this person in your family, this person in your family, this person in your family, and I did that to my boys. My wife did it with our daughter. And I told them, what you need to change is, blood, is a blood transfusion. They said, how do we get a blood transfusion? At the foot of the cross. Because I'm telling you boys this. If you don't surrender your life to Jesus, what has destroyed the men of our family is right there at your door waiting on you. So I'm telling you, so at least you have a... Why does every... It seems like everybody in that family lie. You know why? Because this grandfather, boy, listen, if you open up the dictionary, you see their grandfather's picture on the lying. The daddy's picture's in there. Uncle's picture's in there. And you think they're going to grow up and they ain't going to lie. The devil don't change his tactics. Because the boy don't, I'm just like, why do you lie? <laughs> it's just who I am. You're right. It is who you is. <laughs> and this young lady, she just seemed to be, man, she got five babies but six different guys. I mean, how does she do that? Well, let me go back over and tell you why. And mama and this, and everybody got babies. Ain't nobody got a ring, but everybody got a whole host of babies. And then she thinks she's going to somehow get away from it. Why? Because ain't nobody telling her the truth. Ain't nobody telling her. You don't understand them demons. That You don't understand why you like to party so much. It ain't about you. And when a child says these words, when you say to a child, why did you do that? And they go, I don't know. They're telling you the truth. They're telling you the truth. They don't know. They don't have a spiritual depth whereby they know that the enemy that destroyed this person and this person and this person, daddy, and this person and this person, and this, they don't know the history. So I used to go in my children's rooms. Daddy came from one spiritual tradition. I come from another. But I'm standing on him. And I would pray over my kids at night. I'd go in the room when they were young. And I'd put a little oil on their forehead. And I said, now, Lord, this is my baby here. This is my daughter. I have no need to go back to jail, Lord. But I'm telling you right now, if one of them slimy, slick-talking willies somehow convinced God, I'm God, I'm telling you, I'm telling God, listen, I will send him to whoever God he claims he serves. <laughs> Then I stop. Oh, that's right. I'm praying. Oh, Jesus. And I can hear God saying, you're cussing still. Right now, I know what you're saying, boy. And I would pray for my sons. Lord, you, you, you know about my grandfather. Very good looking guy, Lord. And he, you know, he didn't always pass the test with the ladies. And, you know, Lord. That's my dad. I love him. I got another sister, Lord. And, and then, Lord, there's me. You know, my boy was born when I was, uh, you know, Lord. 
down to a table to my boys, Jesus, please. And I would pray and I would cry and I would pray. And as they got older, they would come in and look at their mama and they say, Mama, say, what's wrong, baby? What, we wake up in the morning. Oh, where that all come from on our forehead? It's just, it's like every day we wake up. And she would say, that's your daddy. He understands how this devil works. It's your daddy that's praying over. It's your daddy. You know, sometimes that, that little water there, that's your daddy. He's been in there crying. That's your daddy. That's my job. And my mom is my wife. That's my job. That is, I am the spiritual head. I ain't depending on no preacher. I'm not depending on no Sunday school teacher. I'm not depending on anybody to get my children and my grandchildren into heaven. That is my job. I got a lot of stuff. I have traveled the world. But there's nothing more important to me than coming home. And my babies around me. We'll celebrate any kind, anything, any kind of party. We'll, we'll celebrate, hey, there's a new guy in the neighborhood. You know what? No, but let's celebrate. <laughs> I told a grandfather one time, I said, man, do your grandbabies come see you? He says, no. I said, mine come see me. He said, really? I said, yeah, I pay them. <laughs> you pay your grandkids? I said, yes, because I want them to know your time is valuable. And when I want to see them, I tell the oldest one, Samantha, I wonder who she's named after. Anyway, I say, Samantha, call your cousins. Tell them Papa want to see them. Tell them we got a little envelope for them. Listen, they be wrecking cars in my, <laughs> in my driveway. And they always say, Papa, you don't have to give us this, then give it back. Well, you gave it to me, I ain't giving it back. I said, wait, don't, don't get no attitude now, you know. And we'll laugh on my cell phone. I got all these numbers. Let me see. I think 11 of the 13 now have cell phones. 11, I think. And I'll text them sometimes with 11. I'll email 3, 2 in the morning. So I want y'all to know pump those up because they're going to see what time it is. Grandfathers, men, I'm trying to help you. It's really not that difficult to be a spiritual head of your home. It's very practical. And I'm going to leave you with two things. And I would text them and say, Papa's up praying for you. I just want y'all to know that. And then sometimes I'll take one of the names out, put it over here, and I'll send them a special email. And I said, just want you to know this. I don't know what's happening. I'm dreaming. But Papa wants you to know he loves you. Papa wants you to know that. Papa wants you to know. Papa wants you to know you, you're going to win this. You're going to win this. Here's the text back. How you know? It ain't that I walked that close to God. Don't tell him I told you this. I was a teenager. <laughs> Slick Willie's coming. You think he gonna miss your daughters? Mm. Think he gonna miss your sons? Mm. If you knew men that your, that your unborn loved ones would face a terrible future of challenges and they would have to be saying, I don't know, what would be your response? My daughter-in-law had twins. I'm sitting in a restaurant in Sacramento. She calls me and says, Dad, I'm having twins. And I said, don't tell me. We ain't got a, we ain't got a twin in our family. They don't be telling me that. And they're boys. Don't feed. I said, honey, what do you want? And I'm standing in this restaurant. She's telling me and I'm ordering. And then I said, wait a minute. I thought you couldn't eat all this stuff. Barbecue this, gravy, biscuits, all kinds. 
She said, you didn't ask me what I could eat. You asked me what I wanted. I said, okay, talk to you later. I hung up the phone and I called my son. I said, now tell me what you can eat. Tell you what happened. When I found out she was going, my grandsons, I immediately went into protection mode. Protection mode. And I took her what she could eat. Not what she wanted. Because as the head of my house, I'm going to protect my family. So I'm going to leave you with these two things. Men, I want to suggest the following to you. Pray for your family. There's a picture coming up. I mean, let me do this. Let me back up. Pray for the nation first. Put that, put, bring that picture up, would you? The picture of the You say, 150. What does that mean? We're one nation. We are 50 states. If the church of the living God would pray more and talk less, God might do more. I am not the smartest man, and sometimes I'm not that smart at all, but I really don't think that when I stand before a holy God, go, oh, Peter's going to be right there. Hold it, hold it, hold it. I need to see your political card. Yep. Do you realize I heard somebody stand up, a preacher in a church, and say, if you are of this political persuasion, you can't even go to heaven. That was the second time in my Christian life I wanted to cuss, but I didn't. I just, let me tell y'all something. I didn't know my father, what his political persuasion was until one day I was leading this nonprofit and I took my daddy with me to meet President Ronald Reagan because it was an organization he started. My daddy, when we left, told me what he was. He never talked about his political persuasion. But I, you know what I heard him tell his friends? He talked about Jesus. He felt like their eternal destiny as a believer, would take them a little further than if he could argue them into a political pocket. And I'm telling you, the church is the answer, and we're doing a bad job. It's like the world is on fire, and the church keeps bringing five-gallon buckets of gasoline. I'll tell you a secret. It is okay for you to listen to somebody say something that you, you think is, is just heresy from hell. It's okay. Different political party and all. It's okay for you to listen to them. Wow. You know, I never thought about that. Wow. Hey, you know what? Thanks for telling me that. This is what normally happens. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But let me tell you, now you've argued and you haven't won anybody. Let me tell you what's okay. Thank you. Walk away. Keep looking. And when you get to where they can't hear you, it's okay to say, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> How can anybody... So you haven't offended anybody, and you still might be able to bring them to the foot of the cross. But we want to argue. No, 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 how can you vote for that person? Huh? Because they are a human being, and they have a right to vote for who they want to vote for. And you can argue till you turn colors, and they ain't going to change their opinion. But if you pray, you do know that all the firepower in the world cannot go to the aid of our friends in the Ukraine. Because there's somebody else who has a button, and if he pushes it, we're all going into eternity. But prayer. I just told you about a God who told a king, you ain't going to touch them, folks. 
You can talk about what's going on and about all, but if you, if you and I would pray, maybe, maybe. Men, you ought to sit your clock every day at 150, 150 a.m., 1.50 p.m., because some of you work some crazy shifts. And when that alarm, my alarm goes off every day. And I don't care who's in the White House, whether it's vanilla wafers or whether it's chocolate chip. It's amazing how many people like vanilla, but when chocolate showed up, they didn't. Anyway, I'm going to do that alone. But the Bible said, it doesn't matter what flavor it is. The Bible says pray for your leaders, because in their success, it's your success. There's a lot of them I didn't like, but I prayed. Because when I stand before God, he's not going to ask me how I voted. He's going to ask, did I pray? And I'm going to leave you with this last one. Let, would you bring that one up for me, please, baby? This is my clan. Red, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in Papa's sight. That's my wife sitting right there to my right. My baby, my daughter sitting to her right. My oldest son is sitting to my left. And my other son is, see the guy with the big teeth? Didn't I tell you? He could, listen, he light up a room with that smile. At 4.13 every day, an alarm goes off on my phone. Okay, where I'm at in the world. There's four married couples and 13 grandkids. Men, every day. Or as my grandmama was at, every day. I said, now Lord, Job said he, he made sacrifices every day just in case his kids sinned against God in their hearts and don't know it. And I said, God, I got these babies. They know their papa love them. But just in case, just in case Satan has done something or said something in her heart, God watch over Salem and watch over his sister Taylor. God watch over Justine and watch over little Royce and watch over big Royce and watch over Jeanette. Lord, watch over Erica and Chad the five grandbabies they've given me. Watch over Cammie, Kayla. Watch over Sophia. Watch over little Chad. Watch over Bellamy Love. And then, Lord, watch over Andre and Vanetta. And you know, Lord, they, they got the twins, Aiden and Elijah. And they got Samantha and AJ. And then, Lord, the, the woman that holds it all together. She holds it together, Lord. They love her so much. So, Lord, I pray that you watch over my bride every day. I even pray for one of mad at her. You know what, Lord? <laughs> now, ain't no sense of shucking and jiving it. You know right about now, but I still pray. Because the answer to prayer is not depending on how I feel. And I'm going to tell you this before I pray for you. I guarantee you this. This is one guarantee. I'll put everything I have on this right here. Guarantee this. There is not one prayer, not one, will ever be answered if it's not prayed. We always wait till too late and kids get a little crazy and we don't come to prayer meetings, but when something starts going wrong with our family and what have you, now, and now we want to have a revival. I know the devil. 
I was so close to hell I could feel the flames. But my daddy wouldn't shut up. I'm going to be a brave man. God's going to use your life. Boy, you're going to travel the world. And I'm locked up. Father, for the man and woman of this house, God, I, I, when I close my eyes and I look through the eyes of faith, what you're going to do through their life, if you showed it to them now, it would scare them, the board, and everybody around them. But as they learn to walk humbly before you, as they learn to seek your face, as they learn, Lord God, to focus on their marriage more than they focus on ministry or anything else, you're going to raise them up in your due season. I pray blessing.